All right, Faith Promise, how are we doing this weekend? Who's fired up to be in the house? All right, welcome, welcome to all of our campuses. I hope you guys know how much we love you, man. We pray for you. We want so much for you. God behind bars, we love you guys online, every campus, incredible. Didn't Zach do a great job last weekend? What a message. He and Justin Flom, awesome. We'll have Justin back. That was, that was great. He was such a ball. I want, Zach said it last week, Pastor Zach, but I want to say it again. Thank you guys so much who served multiple services all through Easter. It's an incredible move of God. Almost a thousand people said yes to Jesus. So it was great, great, great. Understand that we're a team. That's not the pastor or the staff or worship people or production. It's everybody. It's parking lot. It's ushers. It's greeters. It's first impressions. It's kids ministry. It's everybody. We are a team. And nothing fires me up more than seeing people saved. So it was an incredible week for me. I think I did 11 services live, and so out of 51, it was off the chart. To see people transformed, to see mega life change, that's what God is all about. Before I dive in the message, which I'm super fired up about, I want to just add to what uh, was said at your campus or the video that you saw or who your host is, man, movement this summer with kids. Man, get your students a movement. It's going to be incredible. Students will be saved. They'll be called into ministry. It'll be life-transforming. Let me just mention uh, Summer Jam because a lot of parents are bummed because you were excited about four days without your children. So I know that you were bummed out about that. I got it. Let me help, make, help you understand why. First off, years ago, we have to camp on another church. <clears throat> then as we grew, we took the camp by ourselves, and then we maxed the camp out. Secondly, that camp is very expensive. We offset that by tens of thousands of dollars because of your generosity, but it still puts it out of reach, even though we do scholarships. And we never want to do anything at Faith Promise that li- limits participation because of cost. Is that right? And so we brought it back. It'll be at Pellissippi. It'll be bigger. It'll be, it will be incredible. Kids will be saved. It'll be a life change. So mom and dad, if your kids want to come, go with them, right? Right? All right. Put on your seatbelts because we're about to take a ride. This, this sermon could be eight messages. It could be a two-month series. So we're going to ramp up, and we're going to rock and roll. We're going to go to what would be a relatively obscure passage of Scripture, but you're going to see why it makes sense. Genesis 26, and we're going to talk about some things that really matter. Verse 15, now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped them up with, by filling them with earth. Obviously, he's talking about Isaac. Isaac all the wells his dad had dug were filled. What do fathers do? What do we do? We dig wells for our kids and for the next generation. That's what we do. We want to provide life-giving water for them. Let me tell you what the enemy has done since the Garden of Eden. The enemy has always tried to clog up that which refreshes the people of God. Does that make sense? He's always kicking dirt in the well so that we'll have to drink muddy water. In Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15, it says this, drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to drink a glass of dirty water. Is anybody with me? 
I don't want to drink muddy water. And so in, in Abraham and Isaac's day, wells were cisterns. They were a big pit. And then in the center of the pit was dug deeper so that water would fill the cistern. Drink water from your own cistern or your own well. So they're valuable. They're difficult to dig. They didn't have the, you know, really good tools. And so it was ultra important. Proverbs 13, 22 says this. It said, a good man leaves an inheritance to who? His children's children, his kids' kids. Let me tell you what a great church does. If you're listening, say I am. A great church leaves the flow and clean water for your kids' kids. That makes sense? For not just the next generation, but your kids' kids. We at Faith Promise have got to secure the wells like Abraham did. We've got to redig some wells. So what does is, what is Isaac do in verse 18? Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. So after Isaac's dad dies, the enemy moved and they kicked dirt in the water. Why? They were afraid of Abraham. Now, in case you have forgotten, Abraham was what we called in my day a tush hog. You may know what that means. That means he, took, he, was, he was bad. Remember when the five kingdoms, five kings got their armies together, attacked Sodom, defeated Sodom, and took Lot and his family. Ab- Uncle Abraham hears about it. He takes his 302 trained men and defeats the five armies and rescues Lot. So the Bible says after Isaac's dad died, the enemy filled them in because they were afraid of Abraham because Abraham wouldn't allow it to happen on his watch. Are you with me? We've got some things, Faith Promise, we cannot let it happen on our watch. We cannot leave muddy water for the next generation because, see, the culture is constantly kicking dirt into our wells, and we've got to leave clean water for our kids, kids, for the next generation, pure, clean water, a pure church, pure doctrine and theology, holiness, the power of God, the following of the filling. Are y'all with me? Where the Spirit leads, I, where the Spirit leads, that's what God wants us to do. So, man, we've got we've to be ready for what God wants. So Isaac goes back and he redigs the wells that his dad had dug. And I love what he did. Not just did he redig the well, but he named the wells the same names his father had given them. Why does that matter? It seems to be such an innocuous little piece of information. Let me tell you why it matters, because what you call something is super important. So we don't need to dig new age names and new age wells. We need to redig some old wells. Like, if you went to a restaurant, fancy, schmancy, French, and you open, the, you open the menu up, and it says, slugs, five for a dollar. Are you eating one of them? No, it doesn't say that. It says, escargot. Oh, bring me some of that escargot. What are you eating, slug? A slug biting on the name is still a slug. You can put it in chocolate. I'm not eating it. I've been fishing with friends of mine. I have never seen a fisherman Cut open a fish and say, oh, look, eggs, give me a spoon. 
I'm going to eat some East Bass eggs. Nobody does that. But if you call them caviar and you put them in $50 an ounce with some toast points, see, what you call something matters. We change the names of sin so that it doesn't sound sinful anymore. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to talk about purity. We don't want to talk about holiness. Are you with me? What we've got to do in our generation is get us some shovels and some holy sweat, and we've got to redig some wells. Does that make sense? So I'm going to give you a bunch. Are y'all ready? If you're a note taker, you better grease that pen or get your point. We're about to lay them out. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Number one, we've got to redig the well of praise and worship. Got to redig the well. Now, here's, here's how I know we need to redig the well. Because Back in, back in the, back there, I got a room, it's got a big giant TV, and I can watch all the campuses live. It's really cool. So, 10 o'clock, Sunday morning, I look, the rooms are what, full? No, they're empty. Now, church starts at what time? 10 o'clock, the rooms are empty. Somebody says, is nobody coming? I say, no, give them about 20 minutes, the room will be full. See, if we roll in 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes later, we, are we entering into worship? No. We ought to be here early. We ought to be prepared. You know, because a lot of us, we're fighting. Man, listen, I got backhand. Michelle and I didn't have to look to smack kids in the back seat going to church. Are you with me? This is how we went to church. So you get out mad, I mean furious. And you come in and you try to enter and worship. No, get here early. Put, get the kids checked in. Come in the room. Get a great seat. Start praying. Then when that first song, listen, that praise song, lift up those holy hands and shake off those, holy, those heavy bands. Are you with me? And enter into the presence of God. Enter in. In a couple of chapters earlier, when God has told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, verse 5, Abraham goes... And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, Mount Moriah, incredible. It's where the Dome of the Mosque is now, where the temple was built. It's the most holy place on the planet. Matter of fact, I'm I'm taking a group to Israel. March, if you want to go, it's going to fill up soon. And so if you'll call my sister Jody, you can, uh, you know, uh, Monday, you can get information. I and my lad will go over there, and we will worship and return. So you got a choice. You can stay in the valley with the donkeys, or you can climb up the mountain and worship God. Man, I want to connect. See, we don't, we're not here to entertain. We're here to help people usher in in the presence of God through praise, man. you got to see, you been enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. If you just begin with worship, worship is heavy. You ever notice that? Heavy, and you got thinking about stuff, man. Praise is, whoa, glory. Man, we're just praising. God's good. He's big. My problems are little. We get to praise, and the problems begin to diminish. Are you with me? So we got to redig the well of praise and worship. We celebrate everything in America but God. Now, summer's coming, and what will most of us do this summer? Take a vacation. I'm so glad you can. I hope you can take two. But don't take a vacation on God. So if you go to vacation, when you get back, come back to church. Not in the fall. The next weekend. Are you with me? 
Let's be faithful. Man, let's be faithful. Is that, is, are you okay? Number two, we need to redig the well of sacrifice. Now, we don't like the word sacrifice anymore, do we? It's an incredibly great biblical word. The centerpiece of Christianity is sacrifice. Jesus modeled it, the Word of God teaches it, and we've got to live it. Hard for the harvest, half a year, half a year away. Michelle and I already, God, what do you want us to do? What would you have us do as we bring that one-time sacrificial offering above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings? What would you have us to do? What would you have us to bring? God tells Isaac, Isaac, bring your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer him on Mount Moriah. And, and the Bible says, and Isaac, ro- I mean, Abraham rose early the next morning. There's no hesitation, is there? Immediate obedience, sacrifice. See, when we bring to God our best and our first, not our last and our leftovers. Does that make sense? Imagine, every weekend across every campus, every single promiser brought their best gift. They brought their tithes into the storehouse. They bring their gifts. They bring their worship. They bring their praise. They bring their service. Can you imagine the ministry if we all sacrificed for the kingdom of God? It'd be incredible. It'd be the most rocking church in America. Sorry, was everybody okay? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Here we go. You got to redig the well of faith. The well of faith. Jesus is teaching a parable on prayer, and he's talking about a woman who was desperate for, for a judge to move and what she did. When he gets on the parable, he says this, when I return, will I find this kind of faith on the earth? Are we people of faith? Man, we got to quit letting the world kick the dirt of unbelief into our well. We got to redig the well of faith. We got to walk in faith. Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, send Jesus a message. And they say, Jesus, your best friend Lazarus is dying. Hurry. Jesus tarries. Lazarus dies. They have a funeral. They put him in the tomb. Four days later, Jesus shows up. Mary and Martha's faith died and was buried in the tomb with their brother Lazarus. But what happened when Jesus showed up? Jesus resurrects Lazarus from the dead. Can I tell you? He can resurrect your faith. He can resurrect your marriage. He can resurrect your finances. He can resurrect your ministry. He can resurrect your children. He can resurrect your friends. He's still in the resurrection business. Are you with me? And so, man, we gotta, we gotta redig this well of faith. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of muddy water. I don't wanna see more, I don't wanna see more desert than downpours. We gotta build faith. We gotta speak faith. I'm around people all the time, and they speak death over their kids, over their marriage, over the church, over their lives. I'll never, we can't, just on and on and on. They, they're just about, and they're cursing themselves. The Bible's clear that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And yet we speak that over and over and over. Y'all with me? We've got to speak life and faith over our marriage, over our kids. We've got to speak life and faith over our small group and over this church. I pray faith over you every single day. Are you with me? Man, we need to do it. Are you ready for another one? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. We need to redig the well of valuing life and people. Valuing life and people. We're living in a day of what's called the hashtag movements. 
And hashtag movements ought to ring like alarms in our ears and in our mind. Me too. Black Lives Matter. Shout your abortion. We are Columbine. And on and on and on the hashtag movement rolls. Why do we have hashtag movements? Listen, because we don't value life. In a country that has taken over 60 million unborn lives, in a country that states are voting right now to kill a child after it is delivered and is sitting between the mom and dad and the doctor. Are you with me? Should it boggle your mind that, that, that those kind of people don't mind sexually abusing someone else? That don't mind being racist? That don't mind being bigots? That don't mind bashing other people? It shouldn't shock us when we don't have any value of life of what it does. Recent study of 39 school shooters. Now listen, I grew up in America where a school shooting was, listen, it wouldn't even been a horror movie. And yet, here we are where people are afraid there's guards at every school. And we say, how could it be? It is because we don't value life. 39 39 school shooters studied, 22 of them were suicidal and took their lives after they killed as many people as they could. When you don't value life, why does it matter that you say, does this make sense? This is why what's going on in our culture. Now listen, if you've had abortion, if you look up here, I'm not trying to put guilt on you. There is grace and mercy at the foot of the cross. And the blood of Jesus covers all unrighteousness. You know how to live in guilt you know how to live in that? We will help you. We'll help you get delivered. My goal is not to give out, to give out guilt. My goal, we, we've got to see where we are. And we've got to redig the well of valuing life. Does that, does that make sense? Every life. Everyone is made in the image of God. Red, black, yellow, white, they are precious in his sight. Every life matters no matter how young or old, how big or how small, no matter where, no matter when, they all matter to God. Y'all believe that? So we got to redig that well. I, this just helped open my mind to understand why what's going on in America is going on. We got to redig the well of winning the lost. Now we talk about this a lot. I got it. It's one of our va- church values. We tell them of Him. So it's it's so important. It's so it's for us. I pray almost every day over you. Acts one eight anointing. And after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you receive power, and you shall be my witnesses. I pray that over you every single day. Matter of fact, you know, two generations ago, they had this thing at church, and most of you have never heard this. It would be over on this side of the stage and over on this side of the platform. They were called mourner's benches. Anybody remember a mourner's bench? Come on, yeah, you, you got some season if you remember a mourner's bench. And what people would do during church is they'd be singing or preaching, and they'd be overcome with burden because they had family or friends who were going to hell. they just walk out. they make their way down, and they'd kneel at that bench, and they would weep, and they would beg God to save mom or dad or my children or my neighbors or my nephew. My, and they would just, man, we need to redig the well of winning lost people. Because listen, your house is not going to heaven. Your 401K is not going to heaven. Your golf clubs? I don't care that you're scratch. If you are, I hate you. But you, your golf clubs are not going to heaven. Your bow and your guns, your purses and your shoes, your sails, your yards, they're not going to heaven. You know what's going to heaven? 
the people you win to Jesus. That's all you're taking. You're not taking anything else. And so, man, we've got to we we've got to we got to redig that well. We've got to share our faith. Now, I want you to let me just tell you sort of how my mind works because it's a it's a crazy thing up here. It's hard to deal with us up here. Easter was off the chart, right? Eighteen over eighteen hundred people last weekend. The next weekend after Easter, after Easter, eleven thousand people didn't come back the next weekend. 11,000 people at home. Do you think that hurts God? Do y'all? They were mowing the yard or they were watching in game or they were doing something, but they weren't in the house of God. I, for the life of me, I, I just don't get it. Do you know who came back the next weekend? The core of faith promise the people that served every service at their campuses. Pellissippi, their people served 10 services. Their people at other campuses served four and five services. Every service, and they were back the next weekend. The tiredest people of all the folks who were here for Easter were back the next weekend. Thank God for the core who is faithful, who loved God, who served. Thank God. Because that's who's building the church the core, I mean, that, that, that sort of people that just orb around us, or you know what I'm talking about? Man, they're not who's building the church. They were on their boats. They were somewhere else. It's the people that are here that are faithful. I could, you see where I, each, each well could be a sermon, don't you? And I'd love to just go ahead and preach about nine. So let me give you another one. We've got to redig the well of marriage and family. We live in a country where the Supreme Court of the United States can't even decide what a marriage is. After all of recorded history, we're smarter than everybody else. Now we don't know what a marriage really is. And so can I tell you what the Bible says? One man, one woman, forever. Now, let me, if you're divorced, does that mean you're second class? No. All your sins are wiped out. Are you with me? Get a brand new start. But see, just because someone's had an abortion or divorce doesn't mean we can't give the truth with grace and love. In fact, the people that would probably jump up and preach the hardest against divorce are many of the people that I didn't hear that are, would stand up and counsel against that. And so we, we speak the truth in grace and love. I'm not here to heap out guilt. I'm here to say we got to redig the well of marriage and family. If the family falls apart in America, America's gone. Are you with me? So we got to redig that. We got to put some life into it. Man, we've got to, you know, I tell our young, our young staff and coming all the time and say, listen, you lose your family, lose your ministry. Your family is your first ministry. I tell them all the time. All right, we got to redig another one. You ready for another one? Can you stand it? If you can stand it, say, I can. We got to redig the well of the inerrant Bible. We've we got to preach it, walk it, learn it, and live it. So the last several weeks, I've asked several times, how many are in the Bible reading plan? It's about 10%. About 90% of us have already quit. So listen, look up here. If you're not doing our Bible reading plan, what plan are you on? Ours not the only one. You can pick 50 good ones, 100 good ones. My question is, do you have a plan? So if you don't have one, I like mine better. 
we're just trying to systematically get you to learn the discipline because is it too much to say every believer that says this is the errant word of God ought to read this through every year? It takes you 10 minutes max to read the Bible plan every day. It's not that big a deal. So come on, dive in there. See, we don't get to vote on what God said. And so this is what will be judged against. This will, my word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. We need to learn this word because it's what will be judged on. Does that make sense? So if you're not in it, you want to get back in it, jump on board. Don't try to catch up. Jump on board. Just jump on board this, this, this week. Dive in there. All right. We need to redig the well of the deliverance and the power of God. We have too many people that come in here that are, that are really Luke chapter 4. They're, they're lost, they're blind, they're oppressed, they're captives, and they're favorless. And we got to preach. God has given us the power. See, we're victors in Jesus, aren't we? And we have too many people walking, strung out on drugs, dealing with alcohol, struggling with all kind of sin issues. Listen, if you're, if you're having trouble, come to celebrate on Monday night. We've got a deliverance team. We've got a ministry prayer team. You can get in a small group. You do not, Jesus said, to proclaim release to the captive. Jesus already unlocked the cell. We just want to help you walk out of it into the fullness and freedom that Jesus bought. Come on. So, man, don't stay stuck. Man, walk in the abundance Jesus bought. Is this, are, are we okay? We've got to redig the well of the fear of God. It, would it, so let me, let me not, let me just ask a question. How much fear is there in you when you think about God? I don't have enough. I must be honest. I need more fear. Because when you have fear, you're not going to walk past things that you normally would. The Apostle Paul said, he lived under the terror, the dread of the bema seat of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14, 12 says, so then every one of us will get an account of ourselves to God. And, there's a, and so that drives me. It drives what I do. It drives some things I don't do. Does that make sense? And so, man, we've got we, we, we to we we redig the well. We've got to redig the well of prayer and fasting. See, the hope and faith promise is not in lights our cameras, our smoke machines, our video teaching, our multi-site. Our hope is in the power of God to save the lost, to heal the sick, open the eyes of the blind, to transform people, to give people hope and victory and a future and joy and peace that passes all understanding. But you know what? It only happens when we are seeking the face of God. That's why we start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And listen, this coming next year when we do it, listen, I'm not, listen, I'm going to fast chocolate for two days. That's not going to cut it. Let's get serious. Amen? Man, I'm in my prayer closet every day, pounding on the door of heaven, taking you before God, asking God to bless you, to pour out his favor, to protect you, to provide for you, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to speak with you, to remind you, to touch you, to stir you, to use you, to remind you when you're at work or you're at school, on and on and on. Every day I'm pounding on heaven. What if we all did that for each other every day? It's not just my job, is it? Prayer and fasting. Let me give you one more. Can you stand one more? We need to redig the well of true repentance. Repentance is a word that we forgot. True repentance is turning from sin, not adding Jesus to your sin. It's turning away. Jesus said, 
If you do not repent, you will perish. Very clear. What is repent? I'm living my life. I'm doing this way. I see the error. I repent. Means I do a 180 and I turn to Jesus and I fix my eyes on him and I live a new way, a new master, a new method, a new model. Does that make sense? I turn away from my sin. See, there are a lot of things that we want to do that are sinful, and most of it's just justified doing it instead of repenting. The reason that so many people in the 21st century America, the reason the church has got so weak, it's full of people that have never repented. Y'all with me? Is that okay? We got some dedicated, committed believers I'm grateful for. But I mean, we need it. We need a culture of when we talk to people, we need to look at them and say, you need to repent of that. You need to turn away from that. Why? Because God's a killjoy? If you don't let your two-year-old play in the street, is it because you're mean? If you don't let your three-year-old climb on the oven, is it because you're cruel? If you don't let your four-year-old drive the car, is it because you just want to make your four-year-old's life terrible? No, you're a godly, loving parent that want to protect your kids. He's a loving, godly, awesome, amazing father who gives us guidelines for our protection. When you step outside, God says you got to repent. you got to turn back to me. Does that make sense? Now, most of you have never heard the city, Rodney, Mississippi. Anybody heard of Rodney, Mississippi? I didn't think so. Rodney, Mississippi almost became the capital of Mississippi. It lost by three votes in the Mississippi State Legislature. Rodney, Mississippi was founded in the 1700s by a guy that named it after his best friend, Rodney. Not the best name I've ever heard for a city, but that was the name. It was a Mississippi Delta town, and it was thriving. Commerce, all those barges and all those people coming up and down the Mississippi stopped right there. It was incredible, but something began to happen. Trees, dirt. Stuff flowing down the Mississippi would, would, get, would, would grab a hold of the bank there at Rodney. It gets stuck. Then began to build itself out. Are you with me? Nobody noticed that the bank was, you know, the, the town was right on the river. Nobody noticed that the river was four feet farther, and six feet farther, and eight feet farther, and 10 feet farther, and 15 feet farther. Today, Rodney, Mississippi is two miles from the Mississippi River. The town is completely dead. Let me show you a picture of it. The only building really standing is the church that nobody goes to because they didn't clean the debris and it stopped up the flow. They didn't redig their well. Their town, their church, and their future died. And faith promise, if we don't redig the wells, that could easily be us. Oh, it won't be for the boomers. But what about the next generation that we're digging the well for our kids' kids? Does that make sense? So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to speak to every single person at every campus. The debris, the dirt in the well that we need to clean out, would you speak clearly to every person right now in Jesus' name? Now, whatever God's whatever God speaking to you, listen, clean the debris or the life will leave you. Are you with me? Man, we need the water of life. Got to drop your well in the bucket. Now, the first step, 
Some of you say, I've been a Christian all my life. The first step is repentance. If you want a relationship with Jesus, by the way, campus pastors, man, would you guys just step up and take over? Come on, at every campus, give your campus pastor a hand as he comes up. Come on, guys. Now, God buying bars and internet campus in Pellissippi, it's us now. If you need a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to lead in a prayer. It's a confession of prayer, but it's a prayer of repentance. So with every head bowed, every closed, if you're ready, pray this simple prayer with me. We're going to pray it out loud with you. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I repent. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Save me. Fill me. You're my Lord. I will follow you all of my days. Now still, no heads, just everybody, your heads bow. If you prayed that simple prayer with me in a minute, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you. Slip your hand up. Just lift it up. Okay, God, just hold it up for just a second. Hold it up for just a second. Just a second. Okay, you can put them down. Now, we started doing something new. Go ahead and look up. For every hand that's raised, our ushers bring a Next Steps card what your next step is. So next step is, is baptism. So if you just gave your heart to Jesus or you're a guest, if you'll pull the communication card out in front of you, just go ahead and pull it out, fill the top part, put I'm making a decision to follow Jesus, I need to be baptized. Just go ahead and fill that out, drop in the offering bucket. Listen, almost a thousand people two weeks ago said yes, there ought to be a lot of baptisms at Faith Promise Church. If we really repented, so fill that out, guest, when the service is over, if you go through the center doors, we've got a gift for you online. If you'll click right there, fill the communication card out, somebody will be in touch with you. Drop these in the offering buckets. Listen, this is almost an old timey kind of sermon. Would y'all agree with that? But we really do need to keep the wells clear for our children's children. 